Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every family is unique. Some families have two parents. Some are single parents, and some have biological children, while some have been adopted. Adoption can happen through many avenues and under a variety of circumstances. Each baby's adoption story is uniquely beautiful and uniquely challenging. Today, we are looking at life after a family has adopted a newborn. This is Newbies. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a girl. Surprise! The whole family's here! So when are you having the next one? It's just poop. Ready for another? Wow, you look really tired. Ready to go back to work? Yellow poop, seriously? Did you sterilize this? Sex? Now? You've got to be joking. You should sleep when the baby sleeps. She doesn't look anything like you. I thought you already had your baby. I did. Babies don't come with instructions, so there's newbies, helping new moms and new babies through the first year. Welcome to Newbies. Newbies is your online, on-the-go support group guiding new mothers through their baby's first year. I'm your host, Kristen Stratton, certified birth doula, postpartum doula, and owner of Indue Season Doula Services. If you haven't already, be sure to visit our website at newmommymedia.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also subscribe to our show through iTunes so you'll automatically get new episodes as they're released. Here's Sunny with details on how you can get involved with Newbies. All right. Hi, everyone. So we have these segments that we have in each show. We have one at the start of the show, one at the end of the show. In just a little bit, we're going to talk about a news headline. That's one of the segments we do. But there's one called Five Minute Birth Stories that I want to promote because we don't get as many submissions for this, but they're one of it's one of my favorite segments. And we all love to share birth stories and everything that happened to us. But can you do it in five minutes or less? That is the challenge. If you think you can, please head on over to our website at newmommymedia.com. There's a gray banner on the side that says send voicemail. Click on that. You can use the microphone on your computer and tell us your birth story in five minutes or less and we'll play it on the show. And just as a quick little teaser, Amber, one of our parents today in today's conversation, she's going to share with us one of her birth stories at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. The other thing that I want to say, if you are on social media, we have started a hashtag and it's hashtag support all moms. And I did this because I just feel I'm on social media quite a bit for the shows. And I just feel like sometimes we as moms kind of get down on on other moms, especially there's a lot of headlines out there right now blaming parents for certain things. And I know it's it's really easy to do, especially when people aren't doing things the way we've done them in the past. And, you know, we think we know best, right? Because it worked for us. It must work for everyone. But I really want us to kind of just take a step back and just try to support everybody out there. As long as you're making educated choices, you're making choices of what's best for your family. So if, you know, if you see stuff out there, if you can start using the hashtag support all moms, hopefully we can get some more positive energy out there and and just um, support all moms and doing what they think is best for their families. So try to use that hashtag. All right, let's meet the mamas who are going to be participating in our show today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and your experience with today's topic. Amber, let's start with you. Hi, guys. I'm Amber Hall. I have a blended family with six children. I have adopted two little ones through foster care and have three biologicals and a stepdaughter. I'm a stay-at-home mom and a birth doula whenever I have time, and that's about it. 
Camille? Okay, I am uh, Camille Mora, and I have two children who are adopted. One was adopted internationally from Russia when he was 15 months old. The other was adopted as a newborn from Florida, so a domestic infant adoption. And that was a private adoption, not through foster care, so a little different. And I am a stay-at-home mom. Um, I'm also in grad school getting my doctorate. And on the side, I am a CPST, which is a car seat technician. You're not busy at all, are you? (laughs) Holy cow. (laughs) That's awesome. We have very busy moms on this show. I know, right? We're multitasking mamas. All right, Julian, I know you're super experienced with this topic as well. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? (laughs) Hi, my name is Julie. I have 10 kids, six of whom are adopted out of foster care. I am also a birth doula and a postpartum doula. So yeah, I'm busy. I'm a grandma. It's all good. You wear many hats. Yes. I should also say that my uh, doctoral research is specifically dealing with children adopted from early trauma and how that affects their ability to function in a classroom setting. So that's wow. That's amazing. Julie says she needs to talk to you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's nice to have all of you here. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So before we dive into our topic today, we like to talk about headlines on the show every now and then. And as it relates to newborns and, and parents and things of that sort. So I found this headline. Here you go. It says, baby on board flight from Saudi Arabia to New York makes emergency landing at London Heathrow as woman gives birth mid journey. So, you know, we see all this funny stuff. Uh, not funny to the mom, not funny to the parents, but like, you know, moms giving birth in cars and stuff like that. But think about, think about your own birth just for a second and take it out of whatever situation you were in. Now put it in an airplane. <laughs> and wow. yeah i know i'm like i had i had so much stuff going on if it would have been an airplane I, I don't know how this woman would have done it but so here's the scoop this happened as of today's recording it happened two days ago so this is a very fresh headline like i said it was a saudi arabian airlines flight it was supposed to go to new york it didn't make it there the woman gave birth on board of this flight and then it's, it's cute this article actually has the the flight attendants having like a picture like they're all cuddled around the baby holding the baby up for a photo and has picture of the plane and all this kind of stuff but yeah so it had to land due to a quote unquote medical emergency and yeah that's the story in a nutshell and so just thought I'd get your guys's perspective on this like that to me is kind of crazy like can you imagine not only giving birth in the plane but also I mean how many passengers Do you guys see how many passengers I don't I don't know if this actually said how many passengers were on board but this woman obviously childbirth can be a very painful experience, right? Can you imagine the the passengers on the flight listening to this happen? It's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I've heard other women in labor when I was at, you know, the hospital having my babies or as a doula being present at someone else's 
labor, you know, sometimes you get vocal, that happens. But this is a perfect reason why all flight attendants uh, should be trained doulas. <laughs> to help them with that. Or midwives, yeah. yeah. Or midwives. Uh, and then also, I'm really curious uh, what that nationality of that baby, yeah, what about the citizenship? Who does that baby belong to? Well, obviously the mom and dad, but... Yeah. But I mean, what country? And and do you put longitude and latitude on the birth certificate? (laughs) I don't. It does say that they were flying over Northern Ireland when it made the first emergency call. Ah. I don't know if that factors in. I mean, is this an Irish baby now because that's when the call was made? I don't know. They touched down in London. We've actually talked about this with regard to breastfeeding and breastfeeding laws. Like, what are the laws on planes if you're flying across states? You know what I'm saying? So this has come up in different conversations we've had on on various shows, for sure. I wonder if if they had a visa, because I know for my oldest son, he traveled to America on a Russian passport with a U.S. visa. And as soon as the plane touched ground on U.S. soil, he was an automatic citizen. Interesting. Oh. Oh. So he's English. The baby's English now. <laughs> but then what do you Irish do? He was Irish and now he's English. <laughs> there has to be something where you can get it changed. Well, my son is dual citizenship. You would, he would have the, the baby would have citizenship of the parents' birth country. Yeah, yeah probably. That's actually what it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So maybe that's what they do. Poor mama. Yeah. It's interesting though, right? It's crazy. It is. So, yeah, welcome to London, little baby. (laughs) We'll go ahead. We'll post the link on our Facebook page if you guys want to check this out. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Today, we are talking about adopting a newborn. Our expert today is foster parent, mentor, and trainer with over 20 years of experience, Julie Schmidt. Julie is also a birth and postpartum doula serving Temecula Valley, California. Thank you for joining us today, Julie, and welcome to the show. Hi, glad to be here. So, Julie, what are some of the reasons a family may choose adoption to start or grow their family? I think for each individual family or Yeah, family that's looking at adoption as a possible way to either grow their family or start their family. There are so many variables that go into that choice. I know for us, I can speak about what, you know, why we went that direction. Um, We had four birth children and I was told I could not have any more children through uh, our own conception. So we felt like we had more to give. We felt like we had, you know, a good family, good things going on in our family. So we thought, well, you know, what about foster care? What about just helping kids, you know, starting that way? And then, um, you know, they came, the kids came and, and they never left. Not all of them, obviously, but <laughs> a lot of them. And so we didn't like just fall into adoption, but we kind of were hoping to adopt. But yeah, that's kind of how we got there. I know for a lot of other families, maybe they can't conceive for you know whatever reasons, and they look to adoption to start growing their family. Other people 
you know, maybe have a couple of kids and then think adoption sounds like a great idea um, to grow their family or they want to help. Again, they have that same heart to say, let's help. And so they um, look at it from that perspective and add to their family. And what are the typical avenues through which families find a baby to adopt? There's quite a few avenues. Um, There's private adoption, there's foster care, but that's more of a risk. Uh, You don't necessarily get to adopt every baby that comes into your home. There is out-of-country adoption, which, you know, is also great because you're helping orphans. So each way that I think a family or any way that a family can grow their family through adoption is an experience and one that, you know, they choose based on probably their life experiences or what they feel like they can deal with because it can be challenging. So what's the difference between an open adoption and a closed adoption? Well, I'm actually an adoptee myself, and my adoption is what we consider a closed adoption. So what that means for me is that I know I'm adopted, (laughs) but I don't really know anything about my birth family. I don't have any identifying uh, information. I don't know really how old my parents were when I was born. I don't know where they really lived. I don't know anything about them except that there was a man and a woman. (laughs) And, you know, I was conceived and the decision was to place me for adoption. And that's pretty much all I know. So, and then open adoption would be birth mother had come to the conclusion that she'd like to place her baby. And so then she would begin searching for a family, whether it be a single parent, a you know, two parent family, whatever, that that's what she wanted. And then she would either go to an attorney or go to an agency, or if she knows someone, sometimes that happens, like somebody knows someone or the doctor that they see knows someone who wants to adopt, and they go that route. And so they would probably have access to more information. Yes, based on their terms. And the parents might decide in an open adoption, the bio family might say, hey, you know, we, if you say yes to adopting our baby, or if we choose you, we want to see our baby on a regular basis. And that can look so many different ways for, you know, different people. So, um, or they could say, just send me a letter or send me pictures, or I don't want to, it may be open so that you know everything you need to know, but they don't really want to continue that relationship. They want the kid, maybe they're open to the kid the child, you know, contacting them when they're 18. So I also wanted to add, which she did at the end, that there's also semi-open adoption and that open adoption to closed adoption is kind of on a spectrum. And that when we're talking about that, it really is the comfort level of the adoptive parents and the biological family and however they make that work. And that that can certainly change over time as relationships are built and based on the child's needs. And that with everything, ideally, the open or closed adoption process should be based on what is best for that individual child in their particular situation. And I think that's important for potential adoptive parents to know going in that what they think they want for their family may change as the needs of the child they bring into their family will have an impact on the type of adoption they end up having. So... I'm curious now to talk to the parents. How did you decide that adoption was the right choice for your family and for you? Well, in my particular situation, we cannot have biological children. Um, So we decided pretty early on in our journey that adoption was the route we wanted to take. And it just, for us, we believe God led us to that pretty clearly, especially with our first adoption. 
to Russia, that was really clear that we needed to go there. And then with our second adoption, it was very clear that a domestic adoption was the route to find the child that we were meant to parent. And Amber, what about you? We actually started the process to adopt through foster care before we got pregnant with my son. When we got married, my husband had a three-year-old already, and we wanted to grow our family, and we didn't want a huge age gap between her and her siblings. And so it was something that I always was passionate about adoption, and my husband kind of just went along with it until we started doing foster parent trainings and classes, and then he really started to kind of take the reins from there and it became something that he was also passionate about. And so we just kind of continued with the process and then we got pregnant with our first and just kind of kept going along. And the timing of everything wasn't exactly how we anticipated since I ended up being pregnant both times that we adopted, but it was what was perfect for our family. So we chose foster care just because we came across a lot of statistics that were pretty staggering to us just about, um, you know, what happens to the kids that are going in the system and what their future looks like realistically. And so we just felt like there was no reason for us not to other than just pure selfishness or, I mean, people still call us crazy though, because we did it while actively having (laughs) biological children as well. (laughs) You're brave, Amber. You're brave. That's a good thing. (laughs) Thanks. So now Julie... How often are newborns available for adoption, and does that vary based on the type of adoption a family is pursuing? It definitely varies um, based on the type of adoption a family is pursuing. If it's a private adoption, when families go into that, they typically will state to either the attorney they're working with or the agency they're working with what they believe is, you know, their perfect match um, in terms of we want to an infant or we'll take a slightly older child or, you know, whatever their, their preferences are. So it really depends. And, and as Camille was saying, sometimes families have in their mind what they think is the perfect fit or the perfect child for their family. And then they're presented with something completely different by an agency or an attorney um, that, you know, a child that's become available and they have to rethink what they think perfect is. And their their family will then change the face of their family. The dynamics of their family becomes different than what they had thought was, you know, was going to be their reality. And so that's always interesting as well. In terms of through foster care, very rarely, although I know it does happen, but very rarely is a ch- an infant placed with a family, like say right at birth, and they're told this child is adoptable. Typically, you know, they might be placed with a family as a foster child and with a foster adopt designation with the idea that, you know what, this baby most likely will end up in adoptions, but we can't guarantee that. And that happens actually quite a lot. I I used to know the statistic really well for it, but it's varying now because the pendulum in terms of what the courts are doing changes and it's in a change. It's in flux right now. Um, it seems that the judges are giving parents more time to um, work on their on their lives to get their kids back. So babies that are being placed are not moving into adoptions as quickly, at least right now. So then uh, that kind of places children who are in a temporary home or a foster home, maybe at a higher likelihood that the parents might lose that baby, even though they wanted to adopt that Correct. baby. 
And so how much notice do families typically receive when a baby is available for them? When it comes to a like a private adoption, there's a process that they're going through. And typically a mom, a birth mom has picked a family and then the family and the birth mom have either met in person or, you know, Skyped or on the phone. It depends on what their level of comfort is and how they want to go about that. Or, you know, they've communicated through email, texting, letters, and then they move forward with that process. And then when mom has her baby, then if everything goes well, they receive the the baby into their home and, and that's that's how it goes from there. And I know of people who have said, I we put our paperwork in to adopt through a private agency and the next day we got a call. So, you know, I'm sure this can happen. It's probably not typical. In terms of foster care, like I said, it's so rare for a baby to be placed straight from the hospital with a family, a adopt, potential adoptive family without the caveat that we just don't know for sure. Because there's a lot of variables in a in a foster care adoption. And I've heard that with some international adoptions, it can be years that you're waiting for a baby. And international adoptions sometimes, because of the red tape, because of the process and how lengthy it is, it's um, in terms of getting the home study done and, and all the paperwork that has to be done with the country in which you reside and the country in which you're hoping for placement from, you know, that takes time. So I don't believe, it's my understanding that you know, babies are typically not placed straight from the womb. You know, it's usually a process where they're, you know, a couple weeks to several months old before they're actually in the arms of the potential adoptive parents when it comes to the out-of-country adoptions. In our case, with our Russian adoption, we actually completed our adoption in nine months. And I found that as long as, if you were open to any gender any race, and mild to moderate special needs. They have children waiting for families as opposed to families waiting for children. And I think that that's an important part of any adoption. The more open potential adoptive parents are to different parenting situations, the faster you'll be placed with a child. Because while we only waited nine months, and that was actually just the time it took for us to complete our paperwork, Once our paperwork was completed, we actually had a referral the very next day. And other families waited more than a year for their referral because they only wanted a girl. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Especially in international. If you are open to boys and international adoption, you're not waiting that long. Especially if you're open to non-baby boys. I'm sorry. It's interesting that you should say that about boys because the same holds true in a foster care adoption. That is true. Yes. And especially yeah. if you're open to adopting outside of your race. Outside of your race. Yeah. Racially. That is huge. Our youngest is biracial. We didn't wait for a referral either. The path of adoption that we took was through foster care, as I said before. And what we did was called concurrent planning. So we didn't do traditional foster care in the sense that we took in a child for two weeks or two months and then saw them leave our home and go back to their family. We took, we said we were open to taking cases that were already moving towards adoptions or looked like they were going to be that way based off of previous history, whether mom had previous CPS history or whatever. That's kind of how those cases work. There aren't a lot of them, but we waited about a year until we were placed with our daughter. And then two years later, we got placed with our second one, but not out of being on a wait list. It was because they were biologically related. So we did also fill out one of the sheets where you can 
choose gender and just family history, health history, mental illness, those types of things. What are you open to taking? We left ours pretty open because we felt like we would just, when we received a referral call, we would just look over the specific case and determine if it was something that we felt would be a good fit for our family and for our particular skill set. When we come back, we will continue our discussion on adopting a newborn baby. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the show. We are continuing our discussion with Julie Schmidt. Julie, once a newborn is placed with the family, what are some of the challenges that come with that transition? So when it comes to a newborn, depending on where that child's, you know, what that child's background is, and yes, a newborn has a background. I know for a lot of people, they think, what? But, um, you know, how well was that baby cared for in utero makes a difference. Some children from other countries, they don't have, you know, the, the moms didn't have very good or adequate prenatal care. So there may be things that were missed during, you know, her pregnancy about the health of the of the fetus that's growing. And maybe mom didn't have adequate nutrition. Maybe it was a poor country. And so she didn't have ad- adequate nutrition. So there's lots of things, you know, that can happen as a result of that. Same thing with um, foster children when they're placed, you know, mom typically is thinking about other things other than her pregnancy, which is how the baby ends up in foster care. So oftentimes they're lacking nutrition. The outside world is chaotic and that's how they, what they feel inside as well. So it affects their growth and their brain development and everything else, even in utero. So um, there's that. And then when it comes to private adoption, you know, maybe there's more peace concerning the, um, the situation and once the decision has been made to place. But, you know, I'm sure there was times when mom was stressed or even continues to be stressed during her pregnancy. So I, I think that that can sometimes transfer to the newborn. And so when the baby comes home, I just hesitate to use the word normal newborn. I think you're dealing, we could be dealing, well, there's loss. The newborn is suffering from loss. So no matter how well or not well that those parents were um, treating the, the fetus as they were growing in their womb, that's the voice the baby heard. Those are the sounds the baby heard. The movements, everything else is the rhythm of life is what the baby was accustomed to. And, you know, when we take them out of that environment and take them to our homes, we are inundating them with everything is new. I think from an emotional standpoint, it's important to remember that even in infant adoption, there's a break in the attachment cycle, as she just pointed out, and that uh, that can put a child at risk for um, attachment issues. I mean, they're less likely to happen in newborn adoptions, but definitely not unheard of. And also um, remembering that children generally don't become available for adoption and placements aren't made because the biological parents have a stable home that they can bring a baby into. And the things that surround that those situations oftentimes and sometimes are 
drug abuse, alcohol abuse, and things of that nature. So when you are bringing a newborn baby home, some of these babies are going through withdrawal. Some of them, I I know in uh, domestic infant adoption, private adoption, sometimes placements are made for private adoption ahead of time because the birth mother knows that without that placement, the child will enter foster care. And so that's an aspect of domestic infant adoption that is often not talked about. So I'd love to hear more about your experiences when you first brought your newborn home. With our first daughter that we adopted, we basically got a phone call saying that she was going to be discharged from the hospital within 72 hours. And they wanted her to go straight home from the hospital with her foster or adoptive family. So it was pretty quick. It's quite a whirlwind. So once we got that call, we went visit her at the hospital and then we brought her home within two days of seeing her for the first time. So it was crazy to say the least. And, you know, we already had other children. So we're going based off of previous experience. And so we had to realize that this is different. And, you know, though I didn't carry her for nine months inside my womb, we still had a newborn at home. So everything's different. And so we had to realize that, you know, it's the same situation. We needed to ask for help and having meals dropped off are a good thing. And we're in the trenches of staying up all night with a newborn and everything, but also realizing that you can't exactly just like carry on with life business as usual because you have a new baby. And in our case, our baby was in the hospital for 11 weeks. So coming into the, you know, outside into the world was a big change for her. And so we had to kind of deal with a little bit of adjustment period, just getting used to being out in crowds was kind of, it was a lot of stimulation for her. And so we kind of had to choose to stay home a little bit more than we normally would. And things like not passing her off to let everybody hold her all the time and trying to make sure that me and my husband were really bonding with her. You know, I have had the experience of being a mother to biological children and to non-biological. And so there's a difference there. And so I had to give myself a little bit of grace in terms of just cutting myself some slack that, you know, it's going to take a little bit more work. It's different. It's the relationship isn't as natural and organic as it is with a biological child. So um, the second time around, though, it was a lot easier because we knew what we knew a little bit more what we were doing. And we were able to bond with the baby much sooner before bringing her home as well. But we like to say that our first one that we adopted, though she wasn't our first child, she was our third child. She was our first adopted child. So we were very much like first time parents with her and because we were first time adoptive parents. And there's a big difference between the two. So when you're adopting, if you already have biological kids, you kind of have to step back and think about the fact that this is a completely different experience and you have to handle it really different than you do than maybe you had in the past with your biological children. So now, Julie, what are some of the ways I know that Amber and Camille have talked about some, you know, very unique circumstances? What are some of the ways parents deal with those challenges? I think one thing is when I was mentoring, let's put it that way, mentoring um, foster parents and adoptive parents, one of the things I kind of brought up was to do self-care. Uh, you know, take take time for yourselves and also to look at your motives behind adoption. And if there's, you know, check them. If there's something that 
needs to be addressed in your past or your history that will help your future with your child, um, do that. <laughs> do it, you know, and get it done. I know for me, when my oldest adopted child came home, he was six weeks old, but um, he was still experiencing withdrawal symptoms. And the poor thing could not sleep. I mean, he just change of state for him was just not going to happen without a struggle and a fight. And I had had four biological children before that for all of whom I nursed who were, you know, nurtured, yada, yada, yada. And this was a totally new beast to me, you know, thankfully, I had worn a couple of my children baby wearing baby wore some of my children before it was popular because my kids are in their 30s people. <laughs> and uh, not my adopted kids, but my birth kids. And um I thought, gosh, you know, maybe what I should do is wear this baby and kind of replicate the womb experience with him wow. um, as much as I can, you know, as often as I can so that he gets that. It's like I'm reparenting him. You know, he's getting that nurture and caring and and his needs being met the way they should have been. So that was that's one thing that I think that people can do, too, is just try to think like how think outside the box of parenting a little bit. And, you know, don't be so worried about if they're sleeping through the night or, you know, if they're meeting all their milestones. I can second that. We baby wore from the beginning, especially with my child from Russia, because he was at huge risk for um, attachment issues, given spending his first year and a half in a Russian orphanage. And baby wearing, I think, for sure saved us. I think another important aspect is you cannot necessarily parent these children the same way you would parent a biological child. Sending them on time out alone is going to break the attachment cycle you are trying to accomplish. You need to do time ins. You need to have them be with you on your lap. Everything you do needs to help the connection to that child. A great book is called The Connected Child by Karen Purvis, and it really helps with bringing in that connection and that attachment in everything in everyday life and how to deal with meltdowns because these kids need something different. And that's really important. Like sleeping alone should not necessarily be a goal if you're dealing with attachment issues. That is so interesting. I see. I never, I never would have thought of that as being a trigger for causing emotional distress because you're right. If you're living with your biological child day in, day out, they know that you're there. They know that you're always going to come back. You know that mm -hmm. they know that when you cry, someone's going to answer the cry. But if a child grew up without that, even for a short period of time, that's so impactful. And I just, I never even Time out is not a punishment to a child who right. doesn't have an attachment. So like, whatever, I'm not even attached to, I'd love to go be alone because that's what I'm used to. That's where I feel in control and that's where I feel safe. And we need to teach them to feel their world is controlled and their world is safe when they are with us. Wow. That is, that's pretty powerful. So as I shared before, raising an adoptive child is much different than raising a, your biological one. It can come with lots of challenges depending on the child's history, where they came from you know, um, why were they placed for adoption? Those types of things makes a difference. And um, especially the age of the child when you bring the child home. Both of my girls were relatively young when we brought them home, but our first one was 11 weeks old and she was in the hospital that whole 11 weeks. So she didn't have any visitors coming. So the extent of her care and bonding with anybody was just 
the nurses coming in and feeding her and doing those things. I mean, it's not like she was left lying in a hospital bed with no stimulation, but it's very different when you just have different nurses coming and going and this is their job. You know, it's a very different feel to the baby than it is when somebody is coming in and maternally caring for them. So it can be a challenge. And so we had some bonding issues and some attachment problems with our first baby because there was so much time that she was in the hospital, unable to bond with us and not able to bond with her biological mother either. So um, on top of that, uh, she was being treated for drug withdrawals. So it was a challenge. And we look back and we think that we knew what we were doing because we had had other kids, but we really had no idea. So the second time around, it was easier because we had already kind of walked to that path and similar history with the baby because they have the same mother. But we were able to go and start visiting with her in the NICU when she was about five days old. So that made a big difference in being able to bond and um, being there earlier. But long term, I mean, my, my girls are only three and one, so they're still pretty young. But we always have to kind of examine different troubles that we have with behavior or whatever uh, through the lens of our older one. You know, is it is it related to having some attachment issues still? You still have to kind of consider the fact that there was trauma at birth and or was there trauma at birth? You know, that's the question. And, and how much does their environment inside the womb impact how they are outside the womb because of what they were grown in? And, and how are they born into the world? I mean, a lot of times we kind of don't realize how much that can impact who we are as a person. And so having that at the forefront of your mind and not ever thinking that you're completely beyond that is helpful because then anytime a problem arises, then you kind of have a point to go off of there in terms of being able to look at where you might be having a problem. But it's also important to just ask for help you know, ask for a break and to be honest with yourself and to not feel like a horrible person if you have raw moments of honesty where you're, you just don't know what to do. And especially if you're dealing with one of our children has special needs. And so that's been a challenge as well. Raising a child that we've adopted, but raising a child that we've adopted that also has special needs. It's difficult, but you need to make sure you have a good support system in place to help you. And anybody that's not supportive, don't have them around in your life because that can be really toxic and and take away from from what you and your child needs. So I would love to hear from all of you about now that you've had these experiences and, you know, you look back, what are some pieces of wisdom that, you know, you wish you had someone tell you or that you would like the people listening that are either starting their adoption journey or, you know, considering it to know? One thing that I realized while I was going through um, foster parenting and then eventually adopting was that, you know, when I would get a new placement, when a new child would come live with us, my whole life, it was like somebody, you know, threw a bomb in the house and everything exploded because everybody, the dust has to settle. You've got a new human being in the house. You got to figure out where he or she fits, how you're going to, you know, how you're all going to mesh. And it's funny because they were being placed either adoptively or foster because I didn't give birth. It really didn't occur to people who were my friends and family to say, hey, let me bring you a meal. You know, let me, can I come over and help you with some laundry? It was almost because I didn't give birth. I really, this really wasn't an infant that was keeping me up all night. 
<laughs> you know? And, yeah. I, and I was like, uh, guys, I'm not sleeping. Hello. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're still a new mom. Was, yeah, yeah. You know? So that was kind of, that's kind of advice I like to give to the people of the people who are adopting, you know, it's like, this is a new baby. This, this is, you know, this is real. So help them out. And as terms of what, you know, what I would say, I wish people had told me what I could do to like, to help myself emotionally be prepared for that? Um, For me, I think it would be really educate yourself about attachment. Educate yourself about the loss these children experience. There is so many great books out there about attachment and trauma in adoption, about newborn and newborns and the loss that they experience losing their birth parent. And don't think that because you adopted a newborn that they're not going to experience those losses, that trauma. And remember, like what was already stated, that the in utero environment absolutely matters. And don't be afraid to use early intervention. I think that's huge because we want these kids to have the best outcome. We want them to attach. We want them to build those bonds that are essential to being a functional human being in society and a happy, healthy person. So as I shared before, it's important to make sure you have a support system in place. And that doesn't necessarily have to be another adoptive family, but just making sure that you have friends and family around and definitely ones in your community and your area that can come and walk alongside you and help you on days that are hard and come and sweep your floors and do things around the house so you can bond more with your child or when as they're getting older, when you need a break, you know, they can come over and watch the kids so that you can get some time to do some self-care. One word of wisdom or advice that I would give a family considering adoption is that no matter which path that you take to become a family, whether that be in vitro fertilization, surrogacy, having your own biological children, adopting internationally, domestic adoption, foster care, However it may be, it's a path filled with unknowns and you really don't know what the future holds. But the biggest thing is just to make sure that your motivation and your purpose behind it isn't about growing your family or having a family, but it's about making an impact on a child's life and giving a child a loving, stable home and helping them through whatever they came from. And that needs to be your sole purpose. In, in adoption. And it needs to be about that and not at all about yourself. And so you really got to take a second to step back and look at your motivation and your reason behind it. Because if your motivation isn't for the child, then it's going to make it really hard. Well, thank you so much, Julie and our wonderful parents for joining us today and sharing your story. And for our Newbies Club members, this conversation will continue after the end of the show as Julie will share some tips for introducing your adopted little one to friends and family. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All 
right, so before we wrap up our show today, I promised you guys at the beginning of the show we were going to have a five-minute birth story, and we do. So, Amber, I'm going to turn this over to you. Tell us a little bit about what happened to you on your special day. Okay, so here's my five-minute birth story. It was my third pregnancy, and I historically go at least a week past my due date. So I was about a week past my due date, according to my calculations. And I woke up around 4.15 in the morning, and my two-year-old was in bed with me with a fever because she was teething. So I didn't really get a very good night's sleep, but I didn't feel totally exhausted. So I woke up, was feeling some contractions, but I was able to kind of fall back to sleep in between them. And then about 15 minutes later, I couldn't fall back to sleep because they were getting stronger and stronger. So I got up and got in the bathtub and started timing them. And I noticed like, man, these are long. They're a minute to a minute and a half. And they're pretty consistently right up, you know, four minutes apart. So about after about a half hour, I got my husband up and I told him, okay, this is it. You know, let's start getting stuff together. Let's call our doula. So we called her and we told her that we were going to start heading out to the hospital because our plan was to for me to labor there instead of at home. Since I had so many kids, we just felt like I'd be able to do better if we were at the hospital earlier rather than later. So we started packing up and I had to go to the bathroom and, you know, it's slow, just trying to get out of the house with all the contractions and they're getting really strong. And so my husband's like, what do I do? She's not asking me to rub her back. She's not asking me to do anything. And so we start heading out and I'm standing outside by the car waiting for him um, to come out and my water broke. So he comes outside. I'm like, my water broke. He's like, do you want some new pants? And I'm like, no, <laughs> they're just going to get dirty again. <laughs> so we get in the car and um, I had him get some towels. So I sat on the towels in the front seat of the car and he drives about a hundred yards. And I, and I say, stop the car, stop the car. And he's like, why? And I'm like, stop the car. I cannot have you driving right now. He's like, okay. So he stops the car. And, um, it was just like, at this point, all of my contractions were right up on top of each other. And just for some reason, instinctually in my head, I felt like I was going to get a break and I was waiting for the break and then he could drive. I just couldn't have him driving. And I think I knew that I was in transition, but so he's texting our doula, like, she won't let me drive. What do I do? What do I do? Please tell me I can go. And so finally, she's like, okay, you can go, you can go. So I I had told him anyways, I'm like, okay, let's go. And by that point, we had already been in the car for like 30 minutes. And so he, <laughs> he starts heading towards the hospital. And we're only about 10 minutes away from the hospital, but he's taking all the long ways. So I'm telling him where to go. And he's still kind of like, okay, we can't be that far along. You know, she's still telling me where to go. And so we were about two stoplights away from the hospital. And I all of a sudden, I I said, she's crowning, like, I just felt her head drop. And he's like, okay, what do you want me to do? I'm like, park the car. And he's like, I can't park. There's no place to park. So he pulls up in front of the hospital. And he says, do you want a wheelchair? I'm like, I don't want a wheelchair. Her head is out. Come pull my pants down. So he comes around to the other side of the car and there's a bunch of landscapers out trimming the hedges that morning and they hear me screaming. And so he, he pulls my pants down and he sees her head just halfway, about a quarter to halfway out at that point. And I wasn't even pushing. She was just being ejected from my body. 
And so he's like, do I stay and catch or do I run in? And I was like, don't touch me, don't touch me. So he ran in and told one of the nurse, asked one of the nurses to call up to L and D. And a lab tech intern came out and was like, you guys need to go over to emergency. And I was like, no, her head is out. And she's like, call 911. And so then like one more contraction and my baby was out. I pulled her out on top of me sitting in the front seat of the car. And it was great. Like everything was perfect. She was just fine. The nurses came out within like two minutes and got me into a wheelchair and wheeled me upstairs so I could deliver the placenta and it was no better way to have our last baby. <laughs> that is so awesome. Wow. So, when, I was, when I said at the beginning of the show, we were talking about the plane. I'm like, yeah, people delivering in cars. You're like, yeah, huh? Mm, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about right there. <laughs> that is awesome. Amber, thanks so much for sharing your story with us. And if you're listening, you're like, I have a great birth story that everyone needs to hear. Please let us know. Send us an email. Reach out to us on Facebook. Or you can go to our website and leave a voicemail there and share your story just like Amber did. That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Newbies. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, parent savers for moms and dads with toddlers, the boob group for moms who give breast milk to their babies, and twin talks for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to Newbies, your go-to source for new moms and new babies. This has been a New Mommy Media Production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, please seek assistance from a qualified health care provider. How would you like to have your own show on the New Mommy Media Network? We're expanding our lineup and looking for great content. If you're a business or organization interested in learning more about our co-branded podcasts, visit our website at newmommymedia.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.